Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of Punch Card Investing. We're on episode like 38 or something fantastic like that. And the market pullback is still a thing. We, we, we have not recovered since last week. Uh, maybe some stocks have, but very few. Um, and streaming stocks in particular have taken a pretty big hit. We talked about Netflix a little bit last week. We'll definitely be talking about them again today, especially with the news of Bill Ackman buying in. That's, that's some pretty big news, not only in the streaming space, but in the stock world as well, since it's a lot of turmoil right now. So well, we'll be going through some of the big streaming players, um, Spotify, Netflix, to name a couple. So we'll, we'll definitely be doing some, having a detailed conversation about that. Before we do that, please be sure to smash that like button since it goes a long way towards helping the channel and subscribe if you haven't already. We put out a new episode around this time every single week. So we wouldn't want you guys to miss out on that and hit the bell icon so you, do, so you get notifications whenever we put out a new episode um, so you don't miss out. Um, and if you can't stop by when it's live, oh, well, uh, <laughs> there's only so much we can do to change the time since uh, we're, we're coordinating a lot of time zones here. So um, anyways, uh, which shall we start with? Um, there's there's a lot to get to because there's a, a number of big players in the streaming space now, but I guess we could just start off with Netflix. I, I know, Tom, you did a video on it today, so um, can I just pass it off to you and uh, we, can, we can get going from there? Yeah, sure. I um, <clears throat> I mean, Netflix has been one of the best performing stocks like in the entire market over the past 20 years. It's had an insane kind of run. And um, I, I, to be honest, didn't even really notice that it was down almost 50% over these <laughs> over these past few months. And um, yeah, saw a tweet from Bill Ackman a couple of days ago. Um, I know you did a live stream, I think, with your initial thoughts on this, Jack. And um, Bill Ackman added it to his portfolio. It's one of only about seven positions that he has. So um, pretty interesting move from Bill Ackman. He laid out sort of six key points around why he's buying into Netflix. Um and yeah, I'm a customer. Really like the product, but um, here, what I kind of here's here's his announcement. We can go over. You want to go over the points? Yeah. Or? Yeah. I mean, the we can get into some of this. I mean, I think most of us are pretty familiar with Netflix's business model. The the bit I'd really struggled with and still kind of struggle with with Netflix is actually Bill Ackman's last point. I'm not. He hasn't quite convinced me with that one about an improving free cash flow profile. Yeah. Um, I'm with you yeah, on that one. Nef- yeah, Netflix is a weird one. Like they show a lot of they show a lot of net income on their income statement, but um they have a lot of very negative free cash flow because they're constantly kind of reinvesting in new content. And uh, you know, as a result, like the the level of debt Netflix has has grown a lot over time as well. And <clears throat> I guess the big question that I'm trying to answer is can they ever get to a scale where those cash flows start to go the other direction or can they ever start to pull back on content spending? That's kind of the, the big part of it I'm struggling with, but um, yeah, I think it's about a billion dollar or so position for Bill Ackman, slightly bigger than Domino's pizza from memory. Yeah. Um, I think with the, the cash flow versus earnings thing, and we can take a look real quick on ticker. Um, here's their cat here. Here's a free cash flows. So take their, uh, Cash from operations minus capital expenditures. We were looking at this a bit last week. Um, they had one, they've really had one cash flow positive year, and that was last year, uh, where they made about two billion dollars in free cash flow. This year, it looks yeah, like and they're the, about break even. They're a little and bit. the reason that happened is because of lockdowns, and they like couldn't physically film a lot of the the content they were trying to make. That's why they've suddenly made a. They were forced money, to cut so. costs. Huh? They're lean Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> but it but it really shows like this thing's going to print cash if they can ever get to 
I mean, they're already huge, but if they can scale a lot more, or if they can either, or if they can drop off some some content spend, or some some of my like comments that. I was explaining the potential discrepancy for um, why their accounting profits look so good versus their free cash flow, which I would argue is really the number most people think of when they think of profit. Um, the apparently they depreciate the expenses that they spend towards um like building these shows so they like slowly write down the expenses or something it's something weird like that um which just sounds kind of bizarre <laughs> like it's not like it's a capital like you know what i'm saying like it's not something that's a physical thing you can resell it's it's a sunk cost it's like any other expense so but I think the shows are depreciating assets yeah, right huh? right it just it's seems a little i don't want to say nefarious but definitely strange um from what i would have expected um, I don't know how true that is. I'm going off a comment. So I'm not sure if I'm blending together Spotify or Netflix here, but one of them or both of them amortize their intangible assets. So that new content spend, they amortize over time. Um, if you scroll down to the cash flow statement again, there is a line from their cash flow towards the top. Um, it's the content spend. I think other operating activities is how it shows up on ticker. And you can see how much they've ramped up. Mm. That's pretty much their content spend which is unusual for any company that kind of affects our cash flows. But I guess the bet with margin expansion is they don't need to keep spending $17 billion for the long term. Or if they increase it slowly over time, their revenues and earnings should grow faster than that, which leads to more free cash flow and higher margins. I would definitely argue that they wouldn't be able to ramp it down. Just the style of content they have, we were kind of getting at it last week and it's it's a higher churn sort of content. It seems more uh, shorter term, not fad content, but they, they have a lot of hits, but then those hits don't seem to really sustain themselves after a few months maybe. And, and they, they ride that out, but then it's on to the next thing. You were talking about that today, Tom, it's like, you got to keep moving, get to the next uh, piece of content, but it's very expensive to produce all that content. And now you have so much competition in this space, more than you had maybe 10 years ago, or definitely more than 10 years ago, uh, even more than a couple of years ago. Uh, big players coming into this, seeing how much money can be made doing it. Um, and they might have better economies of scale only because they have uh, certain media assets that Netflix will never be able to have unless they buy it off of them. Think Star Wars, Marvel, um, whatever whatever asset that is. Um so I, I don't I don't see this going down, but I could be I could be wrong if they, they hit a home run with something that really sustains themselves long term. I agree it, it won't go down, but it will grow at a slower rate than earnings, which would theoretically have to be true. Like they don't need to spend much more than they did in 2021 in 2030 because they're already producing a huge amount of content. Um, they will increase it. I have no doubt that it slowly increases over time, but I think the earnings should grow better. Um, and to push back on the competition aspect from Disney and everything else, the kind of advantage for Netflix, and this is reading through a Substack I found on Netflix. Um, firstly, they're like Spotify and they're the only really specifically focused on that. All the competition do other businesses, Disney, um, Amazon, whatever else there is out there. They all do something else that Netflix is the only one that solely focus on video streaming, I guess, or streaming on demand, whatever you want to define it as. And then other than that, they invest globally. They're kind of developing all these studios all around the world. Um, so they produce localized content that, of course, 
we don't see on our end of Netflix, but if you live in France, you get a different Netflix than you do if you live in Australia. Um, and I think they're the only ones really doing that, whereas Disney, they are a global brand and you could watch it from anywhere in the world, but the advantage to kind of take away from the local media markets is something that only Netflix is doing, from my understanding. Yeah. And I mean, there's companies that have, like Disney's a really good example of a company that's done this before. Like they're spending boatloads of money on content all the time, but they produce a lot of cash. And um, I don't know, maybe maybe we need to give Netflix 20 years and they can do the whole recreate all our movies, rehash them all. They don't need to hire writers for The Lion King the second time around and all that, you know, like Disney. Maybe we'll get a, we'll get a rerun of 13 Reasons Why or something in 20 years. I don't know. <clears throat> Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Guy Spear ends up taking a position at these prices. He talked recently about how it was a mistake. You know, he kind of missed out on Netflix. He kind of had it in his sights in some sense and just didn't didn't go deeper on it. So it, it still strikes me as expensive. Um, it's definitely a lot. It's a lot cheaper than it was a month or two ago. But it, it, there's there's definitely serious risk involved with it, even for all the great things that a guy like Bill Ackman said about it. And it's still a great company. Don't get me wrong, but um, there's a lot of growth priced in still, even though it's come down. And if they don't hit on that growth, that that's going to be painful. Um, so I was a little bit surprised to see someone like Bill Ackman who really preaches on stable, predictable free cash flows um, invest in something like this, that has not really proven that they have that yet. Maybe they will. Maybe it's likely that they will, but, it's it's not the typical Bill Ackman bet I, I would have expected. Uh, Domino's Pizza totally made a lot that made sense. It's a it's a very predictable. You, you look at their cash flow; it's just like straight up to the right um, at a steady rate every year. It makes sense for something that he would be going for. Uh, I don't really see that with Netflix, and apparently he he sees the the pathway towards that. Um, I, I wonder how soon though. Are we talking about in two years or ten? That that's that's where I'm a little confused. I think I think the cash flows are kind of happening. We're getting that the way that shareholders get the value from cash flows is that it's being reinvested back into original content. So although it doesn't turn up as technical free cash flow in the counting standards, it's being reinvested like it would be anywhere else in the cash flow statement. It just so happens with the business model, this is how it looks. So assuming that original content they're investing in does create more value for the business, which um, I guess Bill Ackman assumes it does, then we are getting those cash flows. But, but then I, I feel like you would have already seen that at a much bigger level than now because they've been spending tons of money for years now um, on original content, but you haven't seen a, a massive flip outside of the fluke year of 2020 where they stopped spending on content. Um, but how sustainable is it after a year or two uh, without adding a bunch of new content given their model? It's almost like a shotgun approach compared to maybe some of the others. They all They all try to produce a lot, but... I think Netflix might be on the extreme end of just trying to produce a ton of different things and seeing what sticks. And that's worked decently well, but it's expensive. Uh, so I, I just don't see a way out of that sort of hamster wheel of, of just constantly trying to turn through content because I don't know how much of it is, how much of Netflix's revenue comes from shows that they made five years ago. Probably not as much as the ones they made in the last three months or released in the last three months. Um, it's a bit of a hunch since it's hard to really nail that down, but um, it seems like they have a more of a disadvantage compared to something like a Disney that has a lot more what I would call legacy content that people will come for no matter what that's been around for decades. Uh, Netflix just doesn't have that. Maybe they will, but 
I, I just don't see it yet. Yeah, I think the the good thing about Netflix from a like from a customer's perspective, because um, I have I have both Netflix and Disney Plus, and I I'd be more, far more inclined to cancel a Disney Plus than a Netflix personally. Like mm-hmm. I think all the all the old content is really great to like kind of get you in the door and you get a bit of nostalgia and so on from watching all these old movies, but um, to actually sort of keep subscribed, I think Netflix is doing a better job there with, you know, the flow of new content. The other thing is I think there's room for all of these competitors to be successful and have large, like have multiple people subscribe to their services. Like if you're looking at the old model of, well, in Australia, we call it pay TV. I guess it's cable or something maybe in America is how you call it. But in Australia, people would pay up to $60 a month just to have a few extra TV channels, whereas you could have Netflix, Disney, um, Amazon, Hulu, whatever else there is, and still not be paying that amount. So I think there's still a transition that's going to happen over time where more people would just have multiple. I don't think it has to be a winner-takes-all. I think this goes a little bit to the margin expansion, um, pricing power that that Bill Ackman mentions. Um, it's because so many of these companies are in growth mode right now. The pie is huge and they're all trying to get a slice. Um, and there might be some overlap, like you're saying, Frank, uh, and there, and there will be overlap for sure. But some people will have two or three subscriptions, but at some point, once they reach kind of maturity, uh, net, maybe Netflix is close to that. Maybe not where they have just kind of like a, uh, a baseline level of, of people. You're not going to be able to grow that audience that much more. Then you start raising prices but then everyone starts raising their prices and, and then people maybe are stuck with making a decision. Okay. I can't afford three now because they're all raising their prices at the same time. Now, now that the the market is saturated uh, or, or something like that. I, I don't know. That's a bit of a hunch. Uh, I, I don't see the pricing power yet just because everyone's in growth mode. And if you raise your prices too high, well, there's a bunch of others to choose from that are way cheaper. Mm. They've already pushed up prices fairly successfully, I would say. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's always a ceiling to that, but yeah, I wonder. I just I, I know they're not at that ceiling yet. Um, I don't know where it is though, and I don't think anyone really does. Uh, and and we probably won't for years, I would guess, uh, especially as they expand internationally and everything. Sorry, I just got distracted by Matt's comment there. <laughs> all right we'll pull it up <laughs> all right matt oh just let's let's uh uh counsel matt for for oh, a second boy wow dating girl who just bought tesla at 850 i mean it's better than a thousand uh is that a relationship deal breaker <laughs> what, what do we think guys uh cut us some slack we, we all start somewhere you know i i, <laughs> I appreciate the fact that she's looking at buying financial assets that's a good thing yeah <laughs> whether there are our favorites you know it's a start so you already have a good foundation there it needs some patchwork but you know i would not call it a deal breaker it's, if anything it's a it's like a new frontier <laughs> yeah i have i have a fiance who every now and then will suggest that we buy bitcoin or ethereum so i can't judge and how do you respond to that frank I just, I, I kind of laugh it off and she, <laughs> I play that. I just, I just say she doesn't understand why. And nothing I say to her is going to explain why I think it's a bad investment. The conversation's pointless. So I just say, I'd rather not. If she wants to do it herself, go for it. Frank, Frank says, babe, let me tell you something about accounting. 
and then goes on as gives his kind of KPG pitch. So kind of multiples. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Brad. I, I think my wife asked me, why don't we own Tesla at one point? And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I knew what to say really. It, it had just, it had gone on such a run that everyone who doesn't own it looks kind of like a dummy, right? And it's like, this could be, uh, you know, this could be sort of a barometer. Um, Matt, if, if, if you keep, you, you keep this girl around, um, if assuming she's not really into investing, if she just hears something is like, Oh, I should invest in it. That is your red flag not to invest in that thing because it's reached her. You know what I mean? Like she's not really in into, into the markets, but she hears, the Peter Lynch analogy of like the, the person on the bus or whatever, the cab driver, stock, the cab driver bring, right. brings up a stock. She's your cab driver. That's your, she's your, your warning flag. Your Maybe don't tell, Nicole her that, line. Though, Matt. don't tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that Maybe. card close to your chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Uh, yeah. All righty. Jeez. My, my girlfriend owns one stock that's not an ETF and that's Berkshire. So yeah. that's where <laughs> she, we're at. She's done well. <laughs> She's done well. Have you trained her, Tom? <laughs> Tom's bragging about how good his girlfriend is here. Brought, brought her up for the, the dark arts of value investing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, just give it to, to Uncle Warren. <laughs> You'll sleep I feel, well. I feel for you, Matt. That's a, that's a tough situation, buddy. <laughs> Extremely tough. Can't sleep at night. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. All right. Yes. What, um, Netflix. Oh, wow. <laughs> More Netflix. Yeah, did I just see Reed Hastings is doing some insider buying with Netflix? Did you guys see that? Is he? Yeah, I've actually just pulled up Open Insider. I'll share my screen here, Jack. Um, looks like just yesterday he bought $20 million, which is like a 1% change for, for him. Sure. So don't know how much you want to read into that, but there you go. These are all the insider transactions. It's a little hard to read. Could you zoom in a bit? That one, that top line. Yeah. Oh, there we it go. Is. It's crazy that 20 million is a 1% change. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's not so, nothing. Yeah. No, 20 million is a lot of money for basically anyone. Because, I mean, it's all, it's locked up in stock. You know, it's not like he's taking this as an income. Mm. Cool. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's also probably the only stock he looks at, so <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> keep that in mind. The one point I did like that Bill said was how Netflix have proven their ability to kind of adjust over time and transition their business model, That's true. which is something you want if you're going to be investing for the long term because Netflix can't do what they're doing now forever. There's just no way that happens. They've proved in the past they've had multiple successful dis, uh, business models more recently, I guess, shifting towards this original content creation, um, and it's worked, starting with DVD delivery or whatever it was, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think they can pull something else off in the future. They have a powerful brand now. Everyone knows Netflix. It's The brand's never going away, so they can transition multiple other ways, and I think they could probably pull it off. It's a tough business that they have navigated pretty well. And and they have definitely created a serious brand name. So, yeah, you can't knock them for that. So I definitely w- would concur there. Mm. <laughs> People like our Bill Ackman yeah, <laughs> that, that's not That's not my background. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the stream background, everyone. It's not Tom's. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> we like to we like to sprinkle these things through the streams and see if anyone picks them up. Yeah, we had the Sears parking lot a while back with the, the Sears sign down for the SRG episode. That was a good one. Yeah, we might have to bring that one back pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, so SRGs below ten. My goodness, we're back to it like is. monish prices from years ago. <laughs> What's range. going on? Um, if only everything else wasn't down too, they might be more interested. <laughs> right. <laughs> should, should we get into another one? So that was Netflix. To me to jump on the Spotify since it's pretty much the same type of business model. I think they're actually close, com- not competitors with Netflix, but very similar business models that probably most people don't view it as that way, but um, kind of how I'm looking at it. Um, so Spotify's down. You can pull up the chart if you want, Jack. Yeah, it's about yeah. 50% from their all-time high, but it's not a. It's more of a slow burn over a year rather than a quick drop like Netflix has seen. Slow burn. Um, I think that was partly from missed guidance on user growth from Spotify's management team um, was the start of it. That would have been early last year. Then they were flat for a while, and as everything else has sold off, they've gradually sold off as well. Um, but everyone knows what Spotify is at this point. They're by far the market leader in music streaming. They compete with Google, Amazon, Apple, and Amazon. Um, which is definitely concerning with the amount of capital. But again, like Netflix, are the only one solely focused on audio. And they're now the market leader in podcasts as well. They took over Apple late last year, which honestly I only found out when I started looking into them, and that was a big surprise for me. I thought Apple Podcasts was by far the biggest platform. But um, interesting to know that Spotify is now number one there as well. Do you know how what that, the how is that measured, Frank? Is that like yeah, number of downloads or um it probably goes on downloads, but I'm not sure to be honest. Okay. Uh, do you know if it came like with the Joe Rogan acquisition, if you will, or was it um more of a steady rise? Um I'm sure that contributed to it over time for sure. That's like they're following the Netflix business model where they're trying to reinvest into original content. And most of that original content has to be podcasts rather than music otherwise they're essentially creating their own label which would be problematic because they're so dependent on labels and mm-hmm. labels don't want to compete with it with spotify so sure i don't think they go down that route it's a possibility but i think that would be a big risk for spotify um, they're also pretty cheap i guess if you're looking at a forward gross profit basis it's about 11 times gross profit and if you adjust for some gross profit expansion maybe around nine or ten times gross profit but i would expect gross margins to continue to expand as they start to monetize better with their podcasting because the gross margins are pretty much stuck when it comes to music streaming as to improve that they have to negotiate with the labels which they they successfully did that just before listing i think they went from being about a 16 percent margin business or maybe even lower up to in the mid 20s but they can't really change that music side of the gross margins without label approval so they are very dependent on them Um, but they could bump their bump their subscription price though right yeah but margin wise they still have to contribute if they bump their prices they pay more to the labels yeah it's like a commission based yeah okay um, so, yeah, the only way to do it would be to negotiate or other ways of monetizing their service from 
things like podcasting, which I think is the better route. And they're trying a few different things. One of the more interesting ones is a YouTube type. This isn't happening yet as far as I know, but it's something they've talked about is more of a YouTube style ad platform for podcasts. So rather than podcasters reaching out to, well, companies, advertisers reaching out to the podcasters and having that kind of, I guess it's pretty, a lot of friction moving that away and just putting the ad before the podcast like they do on YouTube, maybe popping up mid-podcast and it just has that algorithm kind of calculate what ads are suited to what people and it becomes easier for advertisers for sure and potentially long-term, assuming more advertisers like that model, it could become more profitable for the podcaster as well. Well, isn't that what pandora essentially does and and has done for a while with how they advertise i I get they don't do podcasts but um they have separate ads like interrupting your streaming essentially but that's specifically for music um i I don't know if that's hurt them probably not because they're free they don't have the subscription model um i though you can do it too i don't know how 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 does pandora do as, as a business does anyone know um it's definitely fallen way behind something like a Spotify, obviously, but um, I know they were kind of like an initial leader in music streaming for quite some time. This is the yeah. tricky thing. Like we, we sort of need to rotate through all the different podcast apps and see what the experience <laughs> is like, but that would just be a nightmare. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it seems pretty safe to say that Spotify is like definitely at least towards the top, if not the top, just for like experience. Um because it's like, how much better could you really get just to play audio? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's only so much you can do. Well, two of us here have a podcast, right? Well, what's the experience like integrating with these different platforms? For me, yeah, we, setting up on Spotify was by far the easiest. We both use a hosting service called uh, Buzzsprout. Is that the name? Buzzsprout, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and through that, you do have to wait for approval from all of the different podcasting platforms for me at least spotify was instant um, which was great and i also have most of my plays and downloads coming from spotify which surprised me as well and apple and google took a bit longer to approve the podcast which doesn't matter too much i guess um, but also slightly less downloads coming from them as well similar for you tom yeah i i I was actually just looking up my downloads and I don't know why, but Apple Podcasts is actually ahead of Spotify for all-time downloads. Uh, sorry, for the last last five episodes at least. So I don't know. That might just be an anomaly. By but, a significant um, yeah, so, margin? Um, yeah. Uh, Apple Podcast is 33% of downloads and Spotify is 24%. We got some, we got some more data. 52% of the Afternoon Investors podcast plays come from Apple yeah. and only 11% from Spotify. Ooh. Yeah, because in third place, I've got another one that says unknown Apple apps, which adds an additional 16%. So that's probably mm. getting pretty close to those same numbers. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> and with the amount of uh, <laughs> the amount of revenue that uh, Apple adds every single quarter, <laughs> it's only going to get bigger, right? Well, I guess part of it with, with your primary social platforms, do you put a link like like Frank? Do you use a link to to the Spotify one or? I actually do. Yeah, if I share yeah. on Twitter, I share Spotify links, Maybe so that probably is it. a big contributor. Yeah, mm. and I'm also yeah. a lot smaller than Tom's podcast, and 
probably opted in an investor as well. So maybe that matters too. Yeah, I, I share like a, a a Buzzsprout link, which takes you to a site where you can pick where you want to play it. So gotcha. Um, maybe that's and I kind of imagine that the audience will be very similar for at least a long time. Uh, so you guys will have a very like the similar audience base. So um, we need a diversified sample here. We need like non-investing podcasts to <laughs> see what we can get. <laughs> yeah. The the interesting thing, like the the bit I'm I'm very early days on looking into Spotify, but the bit I'm most excited about as well is is ads. Um, I was listening to or ads and podcasting from the business perspective. Like I think they're roughly ten percent of revenue is podcast ads at the moment, and they're talking in a recent conference call that, that could get as high as forty percent long term. Wow. Um, and we all kind of know that ads, you know, like a a Google or Facebook or like that's kind of, that's almost the best business model in the world. You have basically no incremental cost for every dollar of business that you add. So if they can get some serious scale there, that could get pretty interesting. Yeah. Once you have the audience and a little bit of data, like you, you can go a very long way. So, yeah. All right. I got to yeah, get the, the kiddo back to sleep guys. I'll be back in a minute. No the, um, the data so from super chat. Okay. We haven't had one of those in a while. <laughs> And hold on a second. Hi, we tried to get Karan on to talk discovery, right? But he, yeah, I don't know. Or, or, or better things or, to do, or uh, or be be quiet about discovery. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 does does anyone want to talk discovery? I haven't, I haven't done much much research into it at all. I know very uh, little about it. Let's let's send Jason a link and get him in here because he knows about it. <laughs> Jason, if you're down, uh, text me. <laughs> I'll get you in. A few more things yeah. on Spotify if you want to touch on a bit more, just future-wise of what they can really do. Um, of course, the, the original content spend, I think, is going to be the best way to improve margins. That data from podcasts also improves their advertising because touching on what Tom was saying, when it was just a music streaming platform, that's not appealing for advertisers because you can't really find a target market what type of music you listen to doesn't really help you market towards them, whereas podcasting does because it's interest-driven. Um, sure. And that translates between people that listen to music and podcasts on the platform, which helps. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, they're also bringing in audiobooks. I don't know if they already have, but I know that's part of their future plans. And then as well as a lot of live streaming kind of happening, whether it's a live podcast, which I guess is like a – um, what's the Twitter version called of that? I'm blanking on the name. Spaces. spaces. Yeah, the spaces. So I guess the competitors to spaces. There's also things like um, the meditation type apps. So a competitor to Calm, which being an audio platform, having that all in one place, I think works. Um, live concerts is another thing. Possible video being added in, which they've never talked about um, on Spotify's end. The management haven't talked about video kind of being a focus, but Joe Rogan has made it clear multiple times that Spotify has told him that video will be a big part of their future plans. So whether or not that plays out, I'm not sure because they do often bring up the audio as their only focus. Um, but that's another thing. There's live concerts, possibly selling tickets, um, competing with something like a, I don't even know the biggest ticket sell platform actually, um, Live Nation or something, I think do something like that. But Yeah, one of those. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of different avenues where an optionality they can take moving forward and 
already being the biggest audio platform in every area now, I think gives us a great advantage to keep on doing that over time, which improves their margins and gives us some operating leverage as well. Yeah, and, and if they can build like a real YouTube-like model, um, that gives creators a lot of incentive to maybe even prioritize, you know, just being on Spotify potentially. And um, that's a good tailwind. Like I know Apple have kind of been experimenting with offering some sort of like paid or episodes that you can put behind a paywall and stuff and on Apple's side of things, but it doesn't seem like an, as clean of an experience as Spotify working on. Tom, have you experimented with any kind of paywall content with your podcast? Uh, nothing at this stage. I'm, yeah. I'm still trying to get off the ground, so mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll scale up a bit first. Trying to push the snowball down the hill, still, huh? Exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> want to add friction to its moment, <laughs> to it gaining momentum. Yeah, yeah. I think that is a option on Spotify at the moment as well, but I'm not sure, or at least it's been talked about. Okay, any other companies we want to cover, or should we dive Jack. into some of these? Uh, I just sent Jason. Jack, are you uh, sending Jason? I, an I sent him an invite link, so uh, whenever he's ready, he can come talk to us about discovery. Any others, though? Um, <laughs> Jason's just run off to get his his um, his best clothes, and he'll, he'll be on in a few minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the shirt's high. So, well, we got Spotify, Netflix, Discovery. We'll talk about in a moment. Um, Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney, of course. How could you forget about Disney, the evil empire? Pull <laughs> <laughs> up there. Has anyone yeah. done a done a deep dive into Disney? Because I guess, um, I mean, Disney Plus is a small part of the business, really. They're yeah. A, they're a monster. It's amazing that that's a small part of the business. <laughs> yeah. And they've built it so quickly. Well, I, I shouldn't say that because they've built up the media empire over a long time and it's kind of a... A, a spawn out of that to use some monish language uh they've got they've got one of those bazookas he talks about as well so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh let's see here how many users do they have for disney plus disney plus users just over 100 million now i think they're about halfway to netflix yeah halfway hulu's at 25 million uh, paramount at 48 million peacock 50 million and they've done that in like what two years or something? Yeah, very very fast. Yeah, there's a chart I've seen somewhere between all of the streaming services and Disney. Disney's just looking insane. They're the latest one in, and they quickly took second place. They got they got the classics, and then they got all the the Star Wars hype. It's just big driver. Their IP is by far their biggest advantage in this space, oh, yeah. and that and that's never going away. Particularly, I guess it's mostly kids ip i would say that's not completely true because they now have marvel and star wars and things too so um it's a lot of nostalgia kind of with disney which i think is great to getting people onto the platform but i don't think it's great for keeping them necessarily um i could be wrong on that one but that's just a anecdotal thing at least for me i signed up for disney cancelled it six months later um, whereas i've had netflix for a very long time so it might be similar for other people, or maybe that's just my own outlook. I'm curious how heavy uh, Disney is getting into the NFT game right now. Have they been? Is that a thing? I, I think some Marvel yeah. stuff has. I don't know if yeah, it's Marvel. them or, yeah. or I have seen some of that. 
Um, who who was it? It was uh, Andre. Andre. Yeah, Andre he has like some Spider Man thing, and he spent a, a ridiculous an amount of money on. Yeah, but he's he's not alone in that venture. Um, no, but I'm just yeah. I'm Go just ahead, reading Andrew. a stat. This is pretty mind blowing to me. Apparently, consumers spend between two point six and three billion every year on Disney DVDs and digital copies. Does that seem excessively high for DVD sales these days? You said, how many? How many billions? Two between two point six and three billion. Two to three billion on. When when is that from? Uh, this is a, from a Substack written this year. So, oh, wow. two thousand one twenty one. Sorry. So recent. I was wondering it was like twenty fifteen or something. <laughs> That's pretty insane to me. So that, that is, is a lot of, obviously, people that will eventually become subscribers to their service if they haven't already. The, their cash flows got hit pretty hard from the pandemic and still still are. As I know, they had to close parks down. And that's a big part of their business. Movies, obviously, were hurt, too. And that was a big drive towards towards starting Disney Plus and they don't need, whatever, ESPN Plus as well and Gosh, Do they have like a content spending line on their cash flow statement there as well? Uh, Other operating activities? Yeah, it yeah, looks like they doubled down like on content spending too, probably. Yeah. Which I which think makes, every yeah every streaming company is going to have to do that. If Netflix is putting in the capital, then if you want to compete, you have to do the same thing. Right, that's the How competition that part. <clears throat> How's that $4 billion number compare with Netflix that we were just looking at before? I th- I think they were like twelve billion. Oh no, they were seventeen. I think last twelve months. Ah, yeah, that, wow. that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So that again goes back to why I would personally like Netflix slightly more. Um, is the sole focus? Like, I think if a company is only focused on one thing, that is appealing. There is, I guess, the argument you can make that diversifying that, like Disney do across a few other things, makes it a bit more safe. But um, yeah, it depends how you're thinking about it, I guess. Mm-hmm. it's just a hard business isn't it like i i was talking about youtube yesterday like they don't even have to worry about making any content they just give creators 55 percent of the ad revenue <laughs> and that's kind of it and um that's kind of why i get really interested in the spotify podcast stuff over over netflix hey guys guess who arrived <gasps> what He's here. <laughs> the king of the chat. Here we, let's, let's give him the screen. Say hey. hi, Jason. <laughs> hey, everybody. How's it going? Just so enthused with this show bikini. tonight, I wanted to jump in here. Yeah, you know. Thanks for hopping on. My, You're going to be our discovery expert. Cold. <laughs> Are you, oh, um, Jack, I'd, I'd, rather not, I'd rather not talk about that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing there. <laughs> yeah, how's it going, guys? Thanks for thanks for letting me jump in here. Good conversation. They what was uh, what was on the menu? Yeah, where's your bikini? Says. Oh, <laughs> uh, I had uh, four slices of Papa John's pizza tonight, so I didn't feel like nice. not not Domino's. Yeah. That's a half a pizza. If I if half I eaten do the pizza. Brad, that's not a half-eaten pizza where the people around you order extra large. I didn't even know that exists, but tonight we had extra large pizzas. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Good stuff. What's your topping? Did you say it already, and I missed it? Oh, I think we had um, uh, pepperoni and olives and um, sausage. So, wow, that's a diverse, yeah. mix. flavorful. That's a diverse yeah. mix. Heavy, heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, man. 
I would. I don't know if I'd call that a concentrated portfolio of toppings, but I. I don't know. It's 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 pretty it's broad. Charlie Munger esque, I would say. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> not fully loaded. Pretty concentrated, but not too concentrated. <laughs> what are you? What are you, What are your thoughts on on Disney and Netflix, Jason? Uh, I don't know. It's a it's a weird market. It was a weird week, and um, I'm used to focusing on things like assets and uh, cash flow. But all the space in the last couple of weeks has been around these, um, I don't know, futuristic companies in the sense that a lot of their profits, at least for like Disney Plus with their streaming, uh, a lot of the profits are coming in the future. And I've honestly been questioning, questioning myself in the last couple of weeks, having to think about all these companies like, is this what investing is or is this more like private equity where we're kind of like, betting on which companies are going to be winners and spaces and future cash flow. So those two companies in particular, um, I don't know. I've just never been a Netflix believer um, as a investor. I, I, I have it. I honestly wish I didn't pay for it each month, but it's something my <laughs> wife watches and uh, can't remember the last time I really had to watch something on Netflix. I'm more of a HBO max kind of guy. Um, and discovery plus um and with disney at least with Convenient. disney yeah well no hey <laughs> that's, why <laughs> yeah, that's why you're here that's why you're here but with disney i like with disney the fact that you have theme parks the fact that you have all that uh content and all the other ways they make money uh like cash got a hundred um, billion in debt too <laughs> that's no fun yeah, but I mean, they're one of those companies where if they wanted two hundred billion in debt, they could probably go out tomorrow and get it yeah. at four percent. You know, so I don't know. I've never been comfortable with uh, with Netflix as an investment. And Tom, you were talking earlier about um, how they have net income, but I guess they don't have operating cash flow or cash flow. Um, it's just I just don't really understand understand it. And what's the point? Is it just to keep churning money? Uh, I don't get it. At least at these prices. Yeah. The debt Discovery, on the other hand. paid off pretty quick, I think. With the merger, I think the deleveraging, they're going to half that debt within by 2023, I think they said. Is that Disney? Yeah. No, no, sorry, not Disney. I'm Discovery. Discovery. Yeah. Discovery. I was like, wait a second. I don't know what? <laughs> Merging yeah. who? With Disney? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Discovery. I'll be back two seconds. But, but, why don't we get into uh, Dis- Discovery? All right, see you in a second, uh, Frank. Two seconds. <laughs> We're counting. Um, oh, I missed the private chat. I was looking at the the people's comments where you guys should be looking. Sorry. <laughs> Ooh. Um, Jason, I, I recall you first buying Discovery. I think you did a podcast episode on it maybe 12 months ago, yeah. and you sort of just yep. bought it as the something with a fat free cash flow yield like – 20% ballpark is kind of what I'm remembering. But like 20, 22, 23%. I put a dollar yeah. in and that year, the next year I was getting like 23 cents on that dollar in actual ca- yeah. free cash flow into the company. Um, when I think about discovery, that's what they have going on. They're not really growing a ton. They're growing a little bit, but not a ton. Uh, Cause a lot of their, I guess their money basically comes from the cable industry. Um, mm-hmm. They get paid by advertisers and then they get paid by, uh, cable companies to to run their networks, which I always thought was a cool deal, like getting paid twice uh, for the same business. But when you look at this business alone, like it, 
it's just a, a John Malone special. Like they've got, I think, I think there's a decent amount of debt there. It's booked all the way out over the decades. Um, it's very manageable for my opinion. And um, they have very nice cash flow, even though they're not growing um, a ton. But of course, with the merger uh, with Warner coming out of AT&T, uh, everything's going to change because uh, they're now going to be, I think, um, one of the big three players. And I think that combined content of Warner and HBO Max, along with the Discovery reality stuff, I think that is enough to uh, compete with Netflix and Disney Plus and be on the same uh, playing field in terms of the way they should be looked at uh, by investors. So um, I, I like that. Heads I win, you become one of the big three streaming companies and the one that's growing. Um, I saw an article this week that like HBO Max added the same amount of subscribers that Netflix had all year in the last quarter or something like that. Um, so you're one of the big three and you're growing. And then if that merger, for whatever reason, doesn't happen, uh, you're getting somewhere around 15 to 20% uh, free cash flow yield, I think. And um, Jason, have you been in and out of Discovery a couple of times? I think you might have got in just before the Bill Huang um, dramas. Is that Disaster. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know anything about that, but um, I was in at like uh, 20 to $29, somewhere in that range. Then it went up to 80 and I sold half my shares and then, uh, it came down to 40. I sold the other half. Um, so I've actually was have, I was in and now I'm out and it got down to like 21 or $23 recently. And I was like very tempted. I just sat on my hands though and didn't make a move. Then it jumped up to 29 and I was like, kind of, all right, maybe I missed it. And now it's back down to like uh 25 maybe. So it's something I think about like every week, like, should I get back in here? And I just haven't had that same level of conviction that I had when it was like down at 21, 22. Um, but I don't know. I, uh, I think about it, but I just haven't had that conviction for whatever reason. And is that to, is that to do with the merger? You think like there's, there's question marks you've got around that. Or? It's not so much question marks. It's just that um, when I got in there initially, it was, they were just getting into over the top streaming and it was, you had this uh, cash flow company and then you had the promise of something happening. Maybe they would merge with someone, maybe their streaming service would start growing and it was attractive because you didn't really know how big it could be. And then the merger happened. And for whatever reason, I'm kind of like the rest of the market in the sense that I'm like, okay, it's cool, but um, I don't know if there's too many unknowns about it or the debt that's coming in there. Um, I don't. It's one of those things where every day I feel like I should be in there. I just haven't had that conviction. Maybe it's other stuff I'm holding and mm-hmm. quite in love with um, that it just I haven't wanted to part ways. But yeah. when you compare this to to Netflix, I would uh, much rather be in Dis- in uh, Discovery. That's me. Fair enough. Frank, so I think we're getting a little bit of background noise since you jumped back on. Yeah, your your fans running, I think, on your computer or something. But uh, with Discovery, like like you're saying, it's it's compared to the others, it's a real nice free cash flow yield. But the question is, um, you already pointed it out. You're probably not going to get a ton of growth um, compared to maybe some of the others. But they have some growth engines in there, though. So I, I would st- I'd, I'd be I'd be worried because they do have a 
what they have like twenty billion dollars of debt, if I'm I'm not mistaken, at a seventeen billion dollar market cap right now. So uh, certainly a big debt load. As I said, but, a John Malone special. Yeah, yeah. Tons of debt, tons of uh, tax deductible interest payments, and long, long, long uh, time payment periods. Yeah, it's not a disaster by any means, but it's significant. Um, yeah. yeah. But and, and I guess that's a, on a free yeah. cash flow basis, it looks nice. Um, but but you know, Jack, the thing about the uh, the not having the growth, um, the thing that kind of put me at ease when I was first making the investment is, and I'm trying to put myself back in that mindset and remember things about the company is my sense of it is that they have the goods, they have the content, and what are we doing right now on a Friday night? We're creating content, like content is the king of the world right now. And they have content that people love. We can talk about some of those shows if you guys want to. 90 Day Fiance, hundreds <laughs> of pounds of people. <laughs> it's just like half, half ton team. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot going on with their content, but that's what the people want. And um, my Shock point content. is in a competitive landscape where you've got Netflix paying a bunch for content, other huge streaming companies paying a bunch for content, I liked the kind of margin of safety, if you will, that, yeah, maybe we won't grow through cable in the next 10 years and that who knows what's going to happen, probably a lot more cord cutting, but we have the content that we can go sell to other people, other bigger streaming companies, which in a sense, I guess they kind of did with the merger, but. Mm -hmm. Does, uh, does discovery have like a much older audience than a Netflix and Disney plus like, is that is that going to be a yeah, problem long term, or if they got some young buck <laughs> content coming through? I think honestly, I think it's people like me and the stock compounder. It's just uh, <laughs> just your everyday parents, you know, raise your kids, have some Papa John's pizza. There Maybe I'm go. speaking for myself now, not Brad, but well, let's sit to- back on the couch and watch some fat people on your TV and go. <laughs> you know, they're they're fatter than me. I think that's when uh, you want to feel good about yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. <laughs> Not all of it. There's a lot of home home renovation stuff. Um, and lots of flipping, kind of, lots of flipping shows. Right? Yeah, it, it's really that uh, that purchasing power uh, demographic that people talk about. The demo, if you will, I think. Interesting. <clears throat> I like awesome. discovery. Yeah, I awesome wish Karan would talk about it. Um, I, you guys have probably seen my tactic. What I do with him, I talk about discovery because I know he probably sees the same same things I do or similar. And then I see him kind of nodding and stuff like that. <laughs> he does not like to talk about it. Though. I, I, maybe he doesn't want to jinx it because of the merger. Um, he's he and I have both been uh, exposed to annoying merger fall throughs. So maybe maybe he just doesn't want to jinx it or something. <laughs> um, in in the last year, that is, he's still building a position, so he doesn't want to move the market. You know, yeah, we're talking about it. He 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 could swing it big. <laughs> you know, like Karan, you don't want to talk about this holding every quarter. I see on my YouTube subscriptions, Quran up 75% this quarter. This is my portfolio. And he talks about his portfolio. True. So what do you guys subscribe to? Does everybody subscribe to Netflix? Everybody subscribe to Disney plus everybody subscribe to just, yeah. uh, I, I ride the coattails on a uh, Netflix account and uh, then occasionally use prime video. I think that's really all I've used in the last uh, yeah, a couple of years. Though I'm close, yeah, I to, I'm I'm looking at a. I have looked at HBO in the past for some shows. Like I really, I I never watched Chernobyl, but I really want to watch that. Um, HBO's got some good stuff. And they really have some, good stuff. Yeah, 
yeah. And I, I was like a big Band of Brothers fan as as a as a as a um when I was growing up. Um, and and, and like they they clearly put out really good content, the really high quality stuff. So um, I would be probably interested in that one next. So then again, I, I need to get on the the new Star Wars stuff because I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I, I haven't seen Mandalorian or Boba Fett, and I got to get on those. <laughs> So maybe that would be the first one. I don't know. I don't. I don't think we actually even have HBO Max in New Zealand. So maybe there's some Growth. international Growth. expansion yeah. room here. Yeah, but, <laughs> that's um, all right. I, I've got Disney and Netflix. Disney Plus yeah. and Netflix. New Zealand. That's one of those highly desired markets for a for a big mm. streaming company. A huge five million people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it more 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 cows than than people? Maybe Jack can look this up, but five million would move Netflix's needle. I think. Would it? Uh, uh, like I was. Million? I was well in terms of getting new subscribers. We've we've got Netflix. We don't have HBO Max. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying uh, just that number saying that New Zealand is not big for HBO Max. Like five million people in the streaming wars. Yeah, um, but the is a lot. The issue the issue is is like you know there's probably one subscription for every six people or something because everyone uses their uncle's login or whatever <laughs> yeah, right. uh, that, how big a prize is that if netflix can solve that issue they cut <laughs> it down or to, to a few people per account um but obviously people will still abuse it yeah. i do i do wonder though like yeah are we talking about like a double <laughs> or, or if they were to cut it down just a little bit or like how many more people can they squeeze? In, I, I think we can them? all be prepared to pay more for quality content in the, the coming decade, because we went from like cable where everyone thought, Oh, we're overpaying. And so let's pay a little amount for streaming. And then we're kind of getting the way better end of that deal right now, but for it to be sustainable uh, as a business, uh, which is kind of what we're talking about tonight. I, I yeah. think they're going to all have to kind of raise their prices once we're settled in into three or four big players. That's what I was saying uh, earlier that like once it's saturated, f- fully mature or whatever, and, and growth is not, not the uh, growth by acquisition of new users is, is no longer the focus. Yeah. That'll be the mm-hmm. next point. I would think. Um, I, I, I think they would probably opt to just raise prices before they were to try to, you know, say like oh, only one or two people can use the account. I think they would just raise prices, be a lot easier and probably less abrasive than yeah. uh, trying to, do some sort of password workaround where it's a ha- hassle to get into the account every time. Like that's probably not what they want. Just charge, charge people an extra $2 per month. And you raise revenues in a big way when you multiply it by a couple hundred million people. Yeah. So in terms of content subscriptions, uh, audible for me, cause I'm a bookworm and Twitter blue, which I just subscribed to. Oh, What's Twitter Blue? I'm not even. So Twitter Blue, it, it's like three dollars a month. You know, you you can edit. Put that's not the the main feature, but you can edit posts, which is like, what? why can't you just let everyone do that? That's fantastic. <laughs> um, I've made mistakes, and I just delete the tweet immediately yeah. and repost it. <laughs> uh, but, the, but the more useful thing I've found is you can look at top articles. So, based on everyone in your network, how many people are sharing particular articles. And oh, that's really see. good. Yeah, it's super helpful. Especially as a creator. Like, yeah. Good for topics. and Totally. Yeah. Those are my two. Nice. Twitter blue. I had never heard of it. <laughs> this is why Twitter to, doesn't make enough money. <laughs> they're trying to, trying to get some things going over there. Not in time. Yeah. Not in time for some of us to uh, to invest in it, but. 
Yeah. If they could do the basics right, they'd be a much bigger company, wouldn't they? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Should we get Should a few questions some... before yeah. we uh, wrap this thing up? Sure. If you see anything, Jason, too, as our valued guest, let us know. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, scrolling uh, up to the top. Well, let me give me a moment here. And see if there's... I want to see, honestly, Jason answer some of his own questions from earlier. <laughs> give us his real thoughts. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah, no. maybe his thoughts have changed. Explain yourself. Yeah. Explain yourself. <laughs> Netflix is an oil company. Sure, uh, you made money, but then it has to get invested in new content. Actors get cash. We get, we get future growth. Hmm. Well, so, if, so if you need me to explain that, maybe you need a few more things explained about investing because I think <laughs> I think it's very clear what I'm trying to point out. You guys were talking about this earlier. Like, uh, what, yeah. do they really not make cash every year? Really? Well, yeah. So I mean, what? So it's what I'm like saying a, is, they're it's extracting. Like a, extracting it like it like an oil company well Char- charlie munger's talked uh down about a lot of things but one time he talked down about oil companies because he said he didn't like the business model where yes as an owner you get cash but then, then the, the day you get it you have to go invest it in more oil um, mm-hmm. to then go get cash and do it again at least with an oil company with some conventional oil you can drill a well and then it pays you for 30 years um you guys were saying earlier how much of netflix's content is are they kind of earning subscribers from that it's from 10 years ago um and actors get cash because there's never been a better time to be in the entertainment business because everybody needs content so um yeah in demand i guess one pushback on the free cash flow thing and i guess this could be a misunderstanding by me not knowing the business well enough but if we're looking at what you'd call owner's earnings, you could almost deduct that content spend as a growth capex rather than a maintenance type thing. Um, That's the adjustment that could be made and therefore you'd have huge amounts of free cash flow. So as long as that content does generate future growth and returns, I think there's no problem having that line there and that the cash from operations is just misleading. Yeah, that's the entire, I mean issue for me is like i yeah. i don't know if it's maintenance or right growth. right <laughs> yeah. well what, one argument to show that it would be growth and not maintenance is um for myself i want to unsubscribe from netflix i want to stop giving them 150 bucks a year or whatever it is because i don't watch it my wife claims she watches it enough uh to keep it <laughs> and so there you go it's like there's people like me and maybe other people on this show that don't want to be subscribed but yet here we are, and the product is sticky enough. Um, and maybe maybe it's not all growth capex. Maybe it's like part of it is growth capex. Maybe part of it is maintenance capex. Because then when they do come out with something, it kind of pulls me in for another year or something like that. Hundred percent. What else we got? I've got. Uh, here's one. Love the channel for later when it goes off the rails. I think oh, we've been wow. relatively on the rails this, this time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, whose idea was Until it? Until Jason play? got here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah we had that Jason. girlfriend question pretty early yeah, on. But that was that was more of an intermission. <laughs> that wasn't really off yeah. the rails. That was a brief <laughs> break. And then we went back into it. Um, whose idea was it to bring everyone together? Were there other people considered to join the group? Oh um, wow. I think I think I initially made a random group chat on Instagram yeah. for memory, but Someone else came up with the live stream idea, I think. Yeah. Jack, I think. You, Jack. I think I came up with the streaming idea, but I you definitely so. created, you created the group, and we were all starting to collaborate with each other anyways. 
And then yeah. millennial money got started. And I was like, Hey, that's actually a pretty good idea to like have kind of a similar circle of investing people together. So I, I do recall it taking a long time to um, agree on a name. There oh yeah. Few, <laughs> we went back and forth. We that had a that took days, days and days. Yeah, it did. We nailed it though. We totally nailed it. Yeah. I think that was your idea, Tom. Tom picked the name or I'm pretty sure. Right. Possibly. I think, I, I think you came up with the punch card concept that, that we used. So, um, and Jack, they, Jack did all the admin. So thank you, Jack. Sure. I did the initial branding, <laughs> the, the logo and stuff. Um, I, I'm an amateur, so please uh, have mercy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, so we didn't really like pick a group. It just, the group was already kind of made. And, and then of course we've had, um, We've had a number of people contribute. CJ, Jason here, of course, um, who helped us along the we way. We thought about having Jason join, but we didn't want to talk about dinner for too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. J- Jason's kind of become our de facto sixth member when we don't when we don't have our full crew because sometimes some days it's just really hard. I didn't get the call tonight though. Was, no, I was a little no. put off by that. But we, we tried to Jay- say like if we have four, we, we'll just leave it at four. But if we have three, then we definitely want to have a fourth person. Is kind of what, what yeah. we generally operate. Jason. On. Jason, every Friday afternoon is probably waiting on our emergency. Can you please come on the show? Everyone's <laughs> no one's available. Bed. Text message. <laughs> a little, little closer to the truth than you know, Tom. Hey, um, now <laughs> that you guys are getting meta and talking about your own show um, <laughs> on the show, can I bring up a question from Steve at ten twenty one p.m.? Yeah, let me find it. Thank you for the timestamp. That helps a lot, actually. Oh, that's hilarious. We've I'm never used the timestamp. That would help me so much, guys. Yeah, that, Why didn't I tell that, you to do that? <laughs> mine says 5 p.m., though. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't oh, think it would help. Time. It wouldn't no, help. Yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> uh, converted to central time for me. The sun. Yeah, no. so nobody will be watching stream when the metaverse come. Um, I had this thought <laughs> this week. Um, I've been obsessed with like local commercial real estate lately and how horrible of a business it is these days. Um, Elaborate. <laughs> I don't want to. I, I just had a, some what bad happened, experiences. What happened with to that it. real estate podcast a couple of weeks ago, Jason? <laughs> You're all excited. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's residential real estate, and I'm very okay. bullish commercial uh, stuff. On, the, on the future there because you know why, well, Tom? What kind of commercial stuff are we talking about? People, people have to office. live there. I'm talking um, anything but the highest end. Uh, well, let me put it this way. The thought I had is that unless you have a business where people have to go in person, and I mean have to, I mean absolutely have to, like the dentist, like you have to, unless you have that kind of business, your real estate is going to become worth much, much less, not only because of all the work from home stuff, which is already happening, but because of the metaverse. And like if all this stuff really, I'm I'm dead serious here. If all Jason, this stuff, people are still buying DVDs. We just had this conversation. <laughs> Three billion dollars of DVDs. <laughs> Maybe that's what they do in New Zealand, but <laughs> here in the here in the uh, the the rest of the world, we're moving to the future. And I'm, I'm dead serious. If, if I'm going to I'm going to guess it. Commerce, it some, did it look something like this? I had this sent to me by some broker. Is that snow on the ground, Jack? Yeah, this is in Springfield, the middle of the state of Illinois. And Jack, like I've told you before, they ask for they all ask for the same price, and (laughs) they all just sit there empty. Yes, this this one uh, I believe is. You can see on the sign, it's three or four slots are filled, and they're all financial, I believe. So 
to your because it, because you don't have to be there in person. And think about it: like right. if the if the internet came around and created a bunch of other options for people, I am kind of buying into the metaverse thing, where the metaverse is almost, as I understand it, it's going to become so much more of a three dimensional internet world all around you, like a workspace for for this setting. Just everything, and yeah. like. Th- because of that, the the amount of real estate out there just exponentially grew and there's no limit on how much it can grow. So I'm talking about like selling cars. You don't need um, a car dealership anymore. Um, food places, you don't you don't need that. Um, you don't need it. And so I just uh, I'm worried about uh, if I was in that kind of local real estate business because the metaverse um, and, and just like Steve is saying, I think. It could come for content as well. Um, I didn't know how big video games were until the last year. And if Metaverse makes video games even more in demand, that's I think that's going to take away from some of these streaming companies where you just sit there and watch a show for an hour, which might be outdated um, 15 years from now. Is that why Seritage is below 10 now, Jason? <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Brad. I, I don't check the price of my stocks ever. So thanks for <laughs> informing me of that today. I guess that's what the price is. I I'm sorry to that. be the bearer of bad news. Jason. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I think that's why. I don't know if that's warranted. Oh, that's the question I had for you guys. If you want to talk about Seritage real quick. Is Seritage price for bankruptcy right now? Does the market Is the market pricing it so low that they think there's a very high chance of bankruptcy because the market cap I see there seems absurd right now. It's like in the low mid hundreds of millions. It might be an overreaction, maybe an overreaction to interest rate concerns, which is going to hurt real estate, especially the feds talking about stopping buying uh, all the commercial mortgage backed securities that they've been buying, uh, whether they actually do that, we'll see, but you know, that's going to, that's going to send a ripple to real estate if that really does happen. And, um, Seritage in particular. So it's probably something to do with that, but whether that's an overcorrection part two, the same sort of thing we saw a couple of years ago when this, when it hit below 10 during the first COVID crash. Um, that's what it seems like to me. It's, it's very much like interest rate driven. For, for it's the- so crazy. That price was at 40. Um, just like a short time ago. Was it? Oh yeah. Before the, uh, yeah. Before Corona. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I think one of their biggest appeals to the Seritage case was refinancing that debt at a lower rate, and now that's becoming much more unlikely. The higher interest rates are kind of driven, so I think that's definitely a concern. Right. right. That's what worried me is when I was a shareholder, I was just worried about that clock, um, and I, I wanted to see them move faster on that debt and tying it to individual properties and stuff. I, I don't even – actually, Frank, to what you just said about interest rates, I don't even know if it's about locking in the debt. It's more about property values and cap rates um, going up with interest rates. That's going to kill property values. If all of a sudden no one can get a mortgage under 6%, I'm not saying that will happen, but uh, all of a sudden your buyer pool now has way less money to go buy your property, and they're trying to redevelop stuff. So that that ending appeal price is, is important. Uh, appeal uh, Appraisal price is important for eventually getting the refis, that, whatever they want. So I think the interest rate for the loan, for their own loan, is less important. It's more what the market could pay for these properties and what banks would be willing to lend on, if that makes sense. It's different sides of the same coin, but um, I think that's really what it is, more of a pricing thing. Yeah, and and they're quite leveraged to those property prices with the amount of debt they have. Mm -hmm. Very interesting situation because you hear all this negative stuff about interest rates and things tightening there, but at the same time, I see articles every week about how 
real estate's never been better and high-end real estate, the prices just keep going higher. And does that make Seritage more valuable? Depends on where you are. Um, yeah. Because in some areas, it's just incredible undersupply. Probably because like, of zoning issues. We've all heard about supply chain issues with commodities like lumber. And it's just, it's hard to build in some places. Um, but for places that maybe like that Springfield property I showed you, is Springfield going to do well uh, in, in the next 10 years? Yeah. Uh, those areas are going to be in big, big trouble if we get any sort of uh, uh, pullback or or compression or not compression or uh, expansion of cap rates. Yep. Well, I've got kind of a weird question. So why aren't we just going to be watching streaming in the metaverse? Are we going to be doing the same things in the metaverse? Than yeah, it'd just be a different setting. It seems yeah. more customizable, maybe. Anyway. Yeah, maybe the metaverse is an opportunity for Netflix uh, to grow in there. Um, they quietly got into video games, I think, recently, and the market focused on that for a little bit, um, and then we haven't heard much about it. But that would, of course, be huge for them. Just like Twitter, there's so much opportunity for Netflix with those 100 million subscribers or whatever it is um, yeah, to add an audience. different kinds of services. Oh, oh why not? One streaming company, if you can call it that, it's a many thing company that I did want to mention. Uh, what about uh, Frank? I know you'll have something to say uh, about Tencent. That like, and I know when you were uh, analyzing Spotify, you found it easier because you had already gone through Tencent, which has its own giant music platform. Um, did you include Tencent in this analysis of, of streaming, or it, it, it's such a beast with so many different subsets? I don't know how you kind of prioritize it. Well, one thing I was going to bring up specifically was Tencent Music, which is its own company that Tencent own. I think 66% of is, I could be wrong, but it's a majority stake either way. Um, and that's just a much cheaper version of Spotify. If you look at the global market share, I think Spotify about 32%. And then there's a few players, um, I think Apple, Tencent, they're all around the 13 or 14% range. So Tencent Music has a huge market share, given that it is almost exclusively China, which is their own advantage, I guess, because they don't have to really compete with anyone in their own region. But it is just Spotify, but five times as cheap. And then, yeah, Tencent overall, they have a lot of different streaming aspects. They're a combination of all the companies we've talked about today into one, pretty much. So the answer answer to this streaming question is just buy Tencent, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's the only streaming type company that I actually own, so. Sure. Frank, do, um, I may have dreamt this, but do does Spotify have an investment in in Tencent Music? Opposite, Tencent have an investment in Spotify. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I don't know so, if it's what I know. Tencent own a I think a five percent stake of Spotify. That's the answer, right? Just buy, just buy Tencent to get exposure to, <laughs> to Spotify. Cause, cause, Spotify. Cause, <laughs> because I think China's more or less the only major market that Spotify's not in, right? Is that? Yeah, Maybe that would be right. Way. I think that would be true. Should we uh, pick one more, one more question maybe? Hmm, I got sure. one for you, Jack. Okay. You got a timestamp? 10.16 p.m. Central. CST. Uh, same time. You're <laughs> over there. Oh, this yeah. one about your bikini? Or no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, from oh, sorry, I should tell you what the question is. Yeah, from uh, Manu about curate retail. I don't know, Tom. Did you have a position in this? I think you might have been like a twenty percent position. Am I misremembering <laughs> that? 
120. <laughs> no, I haven't bought it. Um, yeah, leverage. It's, um, okay. I thought I thought yeah. you were like a big backer of it. I'm sorry. No, I I haven't bought it. Um, it's interesting though. Now it's. I mean, it's probably down 50% or something. Well, can I tell you something interesting? I I relearned a great lesson today, and I'm just joking with you about you buying it. Um, It was down 15% today. And the reason why is because I'm looking at an article here. Um, Things are just down. Uh, Revenue was down another 6.5% to 7% or 8 to 9%. Their operating income, some kind of metric they use, was down 22 to 25%. 5% and there's now uh low lower than expected demand uh coming up. And so to me it was the classic value trap and uh myself a few years ago I may have fallen for this because the company was like 3 billion dollar market cap you're getting you think you were getting a billion dollars of free cash flow oh my gosh one third uh return on your investment there um but that doesn't work if the revenue and the income goes down, um, especially if you have a ton of debt. So that was just a great lesson, I think, to to kind of see that play out in real time. Um, and then another sign that kind of cooled me on this company was the, the I think the CEO and other insiders were like selling decent sized hmm. positions of the company. And I kind of have a rule lately, um, unless it's something like Apple or a mega cap where someone's on a plan selling thing as a CEO, I really just can't buy a company where at the same time the CEO is selling and I'm buying from him. Um, I just can't live with doing that. Um, so it was a kind of, to me, a value trap in, in real time. Yeah. So, it's, um, go ahead, Brad. You don't buy into the, well, somebody can sell for a hundred reasons argument where, well, maybe it's not, you know, a, a big indicator of, I can't buy into that when it's the leader of the company. Mm. Um, I just, there's something about it. Like to me, if you're leading a company and getting millions of dollars a year, um, I got to have you believe in to, to some extent to at least hold your position. Um, now, end of the year, someone sells $30,000 and they're a big executive, maybe to cover taxes or to buy a boat or whatever. Like I get it. But, um, six percent of your position seven percent of your position um it's just a a big red flag to me fair enough that's fair yeah i think you're exactly right jason like when you stumble across a company i think curate's probably like a pe of 2.5 or something at the moment like it's it's priced as if earnings are going to fall off a cliff and i guess if you're trying to analyze it basically your sole job is to figure out whether that's true or not um and i think I think it's probably expected for earnings and cash flows to decline for Curate over time. But, um, yeah, I mean, if the price gets low enough and they keep paying these massive special dividends and you get your money back in three years or something, like, does it really matter? Well, that's that, the, that, that was the whole that I was going to say. Yeah, the, the downside protection is incredible. As long as they can survive three to four years, you pretty much guarantee you get your cash back. And then they have this huge upside from either a multiple re-rate with business improvements. Um, I know they are trying to transition in different ways, but the downside protection is the appeal. And the cheaper it gets, the more downside protection you have, as long as you assume they can survive for that three or four years to get your cash back, which I think is pretty hard to deny it. But um, I could be wrong. I don't understand it well. Yeah. Frank, I I got something made for you. 
You see this unnamed book right here? This is Joel Greenblatt's uh, class notes. Special situations or whatever it's called. I had it made into a book to make it more likely to read. And every time I think about it, I think about you because I think you've been um, talking a lot about special (laughs) situations recently. That's nice. Yeah, That's I've been working idea. through the class notes. Um, class notes. I've been reading it on my phone, so it, it's hard to do. But it, it is kind of clunky. Like the sometimes things seem out of context. It kind of jumps and changes around because it is class notes. But um, is it yeah, from a particular great. year that Greenblatt was teaching, or what? What's the the layout? Um, it, it's early two thousands. I don't know the exact year, but there's about three hundred and something pages. I think it's about twenty different lectures. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Jack, we got one more. Um, they told me <laughs> we right. got to get to it. It's from Five. James, 1041 p.m. CST, 841 p.m. PST for the stock compounder. 1041. All right, James. This from James. Uh, Wix. Ju- just, yeah, just curious if anyone else has looked into Wix, uh, Rob Vanal from RV Capital. Uh, and then Jesse, a few minutes later, said Wix looks way overpriced. Um, I've been thinking a lot about Rob Vanal this week um, because some of the companies that I associate with him, like Salesforce and um, I guess Wix, if if he still owns that, um, are kind of caught up in this uh, interest rate kind of situation. Um, and um, But with Wix, I don't – do you guys know anything about them or have you ever looked into it? Not into their stock, but I know vaguely what they do. <laughs> That's have you ever been I tempted see- to to use them? I've only like briefly looked at them once. I, I think I did a demo with them once, um, and it, it I, seems like I've a nice platform. A few times. Just, it's a really to, easy website developer. Yeah, compared to like, but compared to like um, self hosting and like WordPress, it's just so much. It's so much more. Uh, you can get so much better value that way. But if you're just yeah. looking to conveniently build a site real fast, then sure. Um, at least that's my yeah, understanding. Right. It's pretty expensive com- compared. Go ahead. I saw a tweet a few days ago around a few of these different services and Wix. I, I'm forgetting the numbers, but they seem to be gaining market share pretty consistently over the past few years. Well, it seems like this they spent a ton on marketing, if I'm not like, just based on what I see. Um, yeah, I see. I see there's a later comment from James around Rob Vanell's calculation of intrinsic value for Wix being around 200 a share. And it's in the low 100s at the moment. And down 50% yeah. over the last year. Um, what's going on here? Top, top line definitely growing fast. So they make a gross profit. But they don't make operating income. Hmm. All goes back into R and D and marketing. Can you marketing, go to the I'm cash sure. flows, Jack? Do they do yeah. they make operating cash flow? Okay, so they make operating cash flow. And so then they actually have, they have free cash flow apparently. Yeah, yeah. Fifty million dollars. And what's the um, anything cap? Rob Vanal owns is probably worth looking into. If you don't know Rob Vanal, I think his track record is about twenty percent or slightly under for around 16 years or so. Um, a great investor to follow for anyone interested in cloning, I guess, or idea sourcing. I do wonder what this market is at $6 billion now with not nearly as much in free cash flow. Um, 
So how much growth or how much growth can you reasonably expect from a company like Wix? I don't know. A lot. A lot. Yeah. But I would want to know how much, like what is this market like? Just buy it. (laughs) Just buy it. (laughs) Just go in. Just buy it. And just say the growth is coming. Oh, look at that. You see ADI on there on the, on the right side of the screen. It was meant to be. (laughs) Was that? About five lines down. Oh, there you are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to turn that um, just buy it into a sound bite. And when I get to the end of my investment checklist, I'm going to play oh, it. Can we kind of like a Jim Cramer <laughs> box? Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> it's, it's Jason. Just buy it. Just buy it. Just buy it. <laughs> yeah. If there's any, um, I'm assuming there's some Kiwis in the audience here. Rob Vanal actually owns uh, Ryman Healthcare, which a lot of New Zealanders will probably be familiar with that. It's like a retirement village stock in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It's done really well. I believe, unless something has changed, I believe he owns Process and Alibaba as well. That's yeah. true. Hey, Stock Compounder, you gave me a price quote. I'm going to give you a price quote, okay? In case you didn't know. No, not that one. No. <laughs> la, 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 la. I'll say this. We're still in uh, three digits. So still Great. in the three digits. Yeah. <laughs> That's all Barely. Hanging on by a thread. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a good place to wrap up before before things get too violent. <laughs> oh, come on! But uh, Jason, thanks, thanks for coming on on, sh- on very thanks short. For, thanks notice, for having half, me yeah, halfway through having the me. stream. I always appreciate your enthusiasm, um, and thanks for uh, t- taking up discovery for us with uh, Karan's absence. Though who knows? Even with his presence, would he have said anything about discovery? Who knows? Uh, we don't need to worry about that because Jason had us covered. So appreciate that. Um, but otherwise, uh, if you guys like this video. Please like it since that would always go towards helping the channel and subscribe if you haven't already because uh, we need that too. We, we need to make sure you guys come back to see us every week because uh, th- that helps us out. Hopefully you get some value out of it too. That's the goal here. We're just try- trying to provide some value or maybe entertainment, whatever this weird thing is. <laughs> but uh, uh, And to that, check out the Discord as well. That's uh, always linked in the description. Uh, but I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. So until next time, everyone. Miss it again. Miss it again.